Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we've got on a brilliant guest. He is an entrepreneur, or more specifically, he likes to call himself a solopreneur. He has achieved millions of dollars worth of sales. He inspires hundreds of thousands, millions of people all around the entrepreneurship world and the business world. And this is Justin Welsh. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No doubt, man. Well, Justin, I've done a brief intro there, but for people who are not familiar with you and everything you're about, please uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Justin Welsh. And for the past uh, four and a half years about, I've been running a business based on solopreneurship. So my story is I've, I've sort of had two careers. I had a really thriving career in tech. So I was a former chief revenue officer, helped build a couple of companies from basically scratch to billion dollar valuations burned out super hard in, in late 2018, early 2019, decided to work for myself, just doing what I knew how to do, which was consulting and advising other healthcare startups. And that be began this sort of four and a half year journey of writing on the internet. And uh, before I knew it, a few years in, like no one was asking me about healthcare or technology. They were asking me about the internet and how to write and how to create and how to make money and how to do all these different things. So I pivoted and for the last, I would say about really three years, solopreneurship and building this one person business to seven figures in revenue has been sort of my main goal and, and trying to help a million other people do the same thing. That's awesome, man. And I want to get into solopreneurship, of course, on this podcast. We are both solopreneurs. Um, but before that, I know that's your main focus that you talk about across social media and on the internet, but I'm curious to know a little bit more about the man behind the business and the man behind all of the all of the fire tweets. So tell me a little bit more about your background. Where did you grow up? Yeah, I was uh, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, back in 1981, which makes me 42 going on 43 here. And, um, you know, I had a pretty normal childhood. Like my dad was a salesperson met he was a pharmaceutical sales rep and my mom teaches aerobic dancing for a living. And so uh, it was really a one income household. My mom didn't really make much of a living. She kind of exercises because it keeps her keeps her sane and healthy. And, um, you know, I, I lived in a very diverse neighborhood. I grew up in a very it was a very highly Jewish, very highly black neighborhood when I was younger. So I was like really mixed in with lots of diverse kids. And then at 10, my parents moved to a farm town um, in the outskirts of Cleveland, about rural Ohio. So I was sort of uprooted during, I would say, a pretty formative time and transitioned to this place that just didn't look a lot like the place that I had just been. Um, I moved up a grade. So suddenly I was, uh, you know, with kids who were older than I was. And that sort of was a really bad time in my life. I got bullied a lot. I was overweight. It was difficult being the new kid in school. Um, but I sort of learned resilience at that point in time and uh, decided to get the heck out of there and go to college at Ohio State, which was more in the city, which is a, a place I really thrive in. And um, 
after I graduated Ohio State, I, I spent the first six years trying to be a salesperson and I failed in every way, shape and form possible. I was fired from my first three jobs and uh, that led into finally getting a break in technology, uh, which you know kind of catches up from what we talked about earlier. But when I'm not working, I like to do a lot of things. I like to hang out with my friends. I like to spend a lot of time with my wife. We do a lot of documentary watching. We do a lot of reading. We're foodies. We love to travel the world for, for great food. And we also love wine and craft beer. And so part of our vacationing is we travel for wine countries across the world. So been to Spanish and Argentinian and New Zealand and Canadian and American wine country and love doing that. And then um, when I'm not doing those things, I'm just relaxing. I'm a pretty boring guy. I just like to chat on the internet, have, have some nice wine and, and basically relax or, or go to the gym. You know, that's it. No doubt, man. Did, did you do any entrepreneurship prior to the last couple of years with what you're doing now? Or is this Zero. something that's relatively new? Zero. So um, I didn't view myself as an entrepreneur. I still struggle to view myself in that way. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a, a certain line at some point you cross where you're like, I guess I could call myself an entrepreneur, um, but I didn't have that. I didn't have exposure to that growing up. And when I started to build my business on the internet on in August, 2019, uh, I assumed I would just build it for six months, get another job. Like I was just trying to ride through the burnout um, and that didn't happen. And about two years ago, I was having lunch with one of the CEOs from my old company and I described my business and I said, you know, I'm not really an entrepreneur. He said, yes, you are. You're an entrepreneur. Like that's what entrepreneurship is all about. And when he sort of gave me that permission, I finally was able to sort of talk, talk about myself in that way, if you will. Mm, that's so interesting. Um, what was the moment that you decided to go all in on the solopreneurship, actually doing it, doing it, but also talking about it? Because, you know, I, I log into, I've followed you for, for a while. And man, I just see you there, you know, every day talking about entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, how to build your business, giving people advice. So there's obviously been a massive turnaround in the last couple of years in the way that you view it. Like it's, you've built your, you've built your brand about that. You've made your, you know, you've dedicated your platforms on the internet to that subject. So yeah. when did you, was it just after that conversation you decided to go all in or was there another was there another moment when you thought, hang on, I can really do this? I think it was when I was building, I had built this consulting and advising business and I was able to get it to a really healthy six figures uh, in revenue. And I thought to myself, you know, most of my consulting and advising friends were choosing to scale at that point in time. So they were doing things like hiring coaches, hiring consultants to work underneath them, raising their rates, you know, kind of for lack of a better or smoother description, skimming off the top, right? And letting other people do sort of the trade your time for money work, which is, by the way, nothing wrong with that business model. But I had like this PTSD where when I was thinking about going out and doing that, I just kept thinking back to, I had a team of 150 people that I ran at my last business. And I was like hiring, firing, complaining, maternity, paternity, benefits, arguments. I was just like all these things I thought of that were aligned with hiring a team. And so I thought to myself, what, like, is there a better way that I could do this? And so I started to think about, well, I've got this piddly wink product out here for $50 that lots of people are buying. What if I leaned into building products that were pre-recorded that took a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, 
recording and all that jazz. And what if I was able to scale that business? And I thought that seemed like a much more aligned business model for where my mind was at in that time. And as I started to prove to myself that I could do that, I was like, I'm not going to hire anyone. I'm going to see, you know, how successful I can make this business while being able to go on vacation anytime I want, do whatever I want and do very little of the things that I hate. And that has been sort of the business mantra that has driven all of the decisions that I make moving forward. Mm, that's so interesting because, you know, I've been, uh, I've been independently self-employed since 2011. I worked in the corporate world for three years after university, 2008 to 2011. Uh, I was a management consultant. I worked for one of the big consulting companies. And then I left in 2011 to go become a full-time rapper, as you do. Um, so, you know, I used to just, <laughs> people used to know me in the UK. I would just travel all over yeah. city to city, standing out on the street, just selling my CDs. I mean, I sold over 30,000 albums hand-to-hand -hand by myself, wow. just individually wow. out of my backpack. And then I used to do pop-up shops around the country where I'd still sell my CDs, but also I'd be selling my t-shirts, my hats. I used to have uh, my own line of headphones and stuff like that. So That's from cool. 2011 to early 2019, that was really all my bread and butter. And then uh, after that, things really started to grow and pop online. I introduced the podcast, uh, wrote and released my first book and started to become known for, you know, social cultural commentary, as well as the music and the podcasting, all these, all these things together. But my journey has also been unique because I've done it by myself. It's, it's funny to this day, many people assume I have a team, you know, uh, people uh, who handles your bookings or who does this or who does that. Or and I'm just like, man, it's, it's me, right? Like it's yeah. people almost, people almost don't want to believe it. Like, who, who organized your podcast with Elon Musk? Who, who books? I'm like, I did. I DM, like I DM'd him. I asked him. Um, so I say that to, I think it's important for everybody out there to know that you can achieve so much more by yourself than people think right? People immediately want to start hiring people or they want to get a team or they want to get investors or they, you know, they're seeing how they're seeing the startup model and they're seeing how big businesses build themselves to be big businesses. But I think there are a lot of people, perhaps the majority of people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, who really, they can just be, to use your term, solopreneurs and they can go totally. much, they can make far more money than they're, they need for themselves and their family without hiring a whole bunch of people or without having to raise all of this money and doing all these funding rounds and just having all the H all the headache that you mentioned, because I know many entrepreneurs who they end up having less freedom than they would have done just having a nine to five. Yep. So you totally. Can build, you can build such a sort of infrastructure around you where actually now you're sure. Cool. You, you, you might be making great money, but again, you're spending more time away from your family. You're not able to go on vacation when you want to. You don't have the ability to take a day off. You've just got crazy pressure. And, you know, there's something to be said for pursuing that. But um, I think for a lot of people, that's not really, I think kind of deep down, that's not really what they want. So I think there is a very healthy and achievable middle ground. And I love the fact that you talk about that. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things in there that are really interesting, which is namely, I think a lot of people get what I call, people know what shiny object syndrome is, but I get a lot of shiny outcome syndrome, which is like, I see the outcomes of other people. So I'll look at somebody else on the internet and say like, oh my gosh, I wish I was doing as much as that person or things like that person. And then I start to think to myself, well, that's, that's them here, right? That's them in the, in the future. That's me in the future. Here's me in the present. What's the gap that I have to cross to get there? 
And oftentimes to reach their outcome, I have to do work I don't want to do. <laughs> and so I'm like, forget that. I, I don't want to do, I don't want to achieve someone else's goals doing work that I don't want to do. I, I think that's the first thing I often think about. And the second thing that I often think about is generally when I've tried to either listen to other people or bring someone on to do some work in, in the past, like any outsourcing, generally, not always, I'm usually disappointed. And I trust myself. I, I like the decisions I make. I generally go against best practices. I do things the opposite of what everyone says or how everyone says I should do it. And I found that to work for me. And, you know, I was just watching the Sylvester Stallone documentary on Netflix last night, and he basically echoed the same sentiment where he said, like, my career was going great when I was writing, acting, directing, making all the decisions. And then I started listening to other people and I made all these really terrible movies. And I was like, that sounds about how my mind works, whether that's arrogance, I, I don't know, or, or just self-confidence. But I think it's if you feel like that, you know, lean into it. Mm, I don't think it's arrogance at all. I think there are people... I think people who do not have a certain level of self-confidence often conflate other people's confidence with arrogance, right? I think there are some people who you say that, look, there are people out there who, you know, they might ask you what you do for a living, or they might ask you to, you know, tell them about your achievements, whatever. And if you, if you tell them the truth, they think that you're being arrogant or they think that you're bragging or whatever. It's like, no, I'm just explaining what I do. I'm not coming out here and pounding my chest and, you know, trying to show off or anything. So I think it's really just a reflection on other people. I, I honestly think, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant with this statement. I'm trying to say this more to inspire people, but I think, I think people think way too small. I don't think the average person believes in themselves enough. I don't think the average person is as confident in their own abilities and capacity and potential as they should be. And I think maybe some of that is down to just the way society is. I think, you know, in many societies and cultures and communities, there's that sort of tall poppy syndrome or the crabs in a bucket syndrome or the, the idea that you're not meant to stand out or you're, you're supposed to be, you know, I, I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, humility is incredibly important. I actually talk about humility quite a bit, but confidence and humility are not at odds with each other. You can be incredibly confident and incredibly humble. To me, arrogance is, you know, thinking that you're better or more valuable than other people, you know, looking down on other people, right? Like that doesn't describe you at all. That doesn't describe me at all. In fact, we wouldn't be able to do what we do if we had that attitude because you interact with so many people and ch chat to so many people that you actually have to have a level of humility because you can't create this giant barrier between yourself and your audience because you don't have all of that scaffolding around you, right? You don't have, oh, the P let the PR company handle that. Let marketing handle that. Let whatever. I, I can just go and hide away. You see this a lot in the music world, right? You have, you have musicians who don't even like their own fans, hmm. right? And <laughs> like they don't, like they don't like their own audience. And one thing I love about what I've been able to build with all the different branches is I genuinely like and respect my own audience. It's not like, okay, I'm up here on some high level and I'm sort of looking down on all these minions or whatever, but you have a lot of people, especially from the sort of traditional celebrity world, not everybody, but they, they forget that it's those fans, it's those people they're looking down at that even make them something, right? Those are the people buying your records or coming to your shows or watching your movies or whatever it is. So I think it's, I think it's very important for people to develop both the, the confidence and then maintain the humility. I think if you do that, then it's just a win-win. And something I love about having done this podcast and all the things I do is I have at this point met some 
stupidly successful people. You know, I, I've I've met Elon Musk. I've met the CEO of Binance. I've met the founder of you know Uber and sat down and had had food with all had food you know with these people. And you're just like, wow, like this person is so humble, right? Elon Musk. If if someone has a reason, if someone has a right to be arrogant, I'd say Elon has a right to be arrogant, but he's not. He's confident. He's self assured, but I mean, he's he. You see him on Twitter. He's he's commenting on people's posts he's he's subscribing to to other people on there he, he's yeah. having chats with he's going on podcasts he's posting memes he's responding to other people's memes you know what mm -hmm. i mean and to me that that's a true level of humility because you know most people in that position or anything close to it they they wouldn't do that and in any time that you're thrust into what you might call like the thought leadership arena, right? If you want to call it that, but, but often I go on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever social platform and share advice. I try and say, here's what I did. Here's why it worked. Here's why it didn't work. Here are some mistakes. I mean, wh whatever. Right. And I think that the, the biggest takeaway that I have is like, I'm not on a pedestal and you're not down below. The true ultimate answer is I don't have all the answers. You do <laughs> like, as someone who follows me and wants to be a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or build whatever business, like, can, can I help you avoid some things that I wish I would have avoided? Probably, right? Is some of the advice helpful while some of it might be contextual and not, not as helpful? Of course. But the real answer lies in go out and do the thing. Like my whole thing is an inspiration. Sure, I can talk tactics and yes, I can talk strategy, but really where people change their lives is they start. <laughs> They go and do something and they find out, hey, what Justin said here worked and what he said here, you know what? I found something the opposite that worked. Great. That's awesome, right? And I think that's like the whole way that at least I think about my audience is we're all on the same level. I'm just, I've just started and I'm trying to encourage everyone to start and to keep going. That's my whole kind of shtick, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I love that. It, it's it's so important, man, because people also forget that. You, you made a great point earlier. You talked about um, the shiny outcome syndrome. And that, that's such a fantastic point because when people see someone who's achieved success in, in anything, it doesn't matter what it is, people often say, oh, I want, I want that outcome. I want that result because they haven't seen the years of pain and suffering and effort that yeah. have gone beyond it and the ones that, that came before it and the things that are happening now, right? When you watch sports, you, you don't, you're not privy to all the training and all the gym sessions, right? You just see the, you just see the game. You just see the match. And people are like, oh yeah, I want to do that thing. Or someone might even want to be a YouTuber. I mean, I think amongst, I think amongst under 18s now, the most desired profession is being a YouTuber. And, you know, I know professional YouTubers and I'm like, guys, like, it's not as easy as you might think because <laughs> yeah. you see the outcome, you see the endpoint video, but you don't see the editing. You're not seeing the preparation, the script writing setting up the lighting, dealing with all the tech, dealing with staff, like there's so much that goes into some of these things, even some major podcasts. Like if you just see all the, all the stuff that goes into doing a single episode and it's like, you know, I'm not trying to dissuade anyone, but just be aware of, don't just focus on the outcome, but do a little digging and see what it took for the person to reach that stage. See how many years, how many decades it's, it's taken. Um, I, I often, that's why I like to get people to sort of share more of the holistic story. So they don't just see the immediate point where, where somebody is now and the outcome and, you know, how many followers they have or how much money they're making or whatever it is. It's like, man, you realize it took whoever it is. You realize they also started from zero 
and they had to build that up and they had to take their L's and they had to turn up yeah. every single day and they had to just keep on doing it, deal with stupid comments, deal with people attacking them over nothing, deal with self-doubt, all of it. It's, it's all just a process and documenting it is important. It's, it's you, you nailed it, which is like, I go out and I write about, often I'll write like, my whole business model is to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and very little of what I hate. And people say like, I can't wait to get there, just like you. And I'm like, I'm not there. <laughs> it's a wish, right? It's it's me talking to myself. It's me saying, it's a love letter to myself. Often what I write about are not actually things that I've accomplished. Like if I, if I use numbers or I talk to you about like, oh, I sold this many courses or like, this is my conversion rate. Like those are rooted in, in obvious, you know, uh, numbers and in real things. But often when I just write about observations or feelings or, or where I'm going, it is, it's not because I've gotten there yet or because I'm celebrating it. It's because I'm reminding myself that it's important or I'm, you know, reminding myself that I have a ways to go, or I'm currently trying to figure out how to get to that destination. And so my social media content, as much as it's for my audience is for me, it's reminding me of what's important. And I, I think people see it as my life being some sort of great grand life, which by the way, there are wonderful things in my life. I, I have a great family. I have a good financial situation. I love all the great friends. But like, I got all the struggles that everybody else has, self-doubt, confidence, right? Days where I feel tired and burned out. And some days I have obsolescence fears, right? Like everyone goes to the top or some people get to the top and a lot of those folks fall off, right? There is an obvious obsolescence at the end of your sort of win. You see it with actors and singers and all these. And like, I don't know when that's coming until it comes. And so I fear that all the time, right? Because that's how I currently make a living. But you know, I deal with all those same self-doubt issues that the person who hasn't even started with, you know, deal with as well. Hmm. That, that's such an interesting point. It's an interesting fear as well, because I don't think it's a fear that you need to have. Hmm. Oh, I don't think it's a fear you need to have at all, because I think in this day and age with the, with the way social media is and the way that you've built your business, you really, you really own your, you know, you, you've got such a great connection with your audience and you've built trust and you have a direct connection so i think it's different from that type of celebrity with there, there's almost two types of celebrity these days you have the sort of traditional type of celebrity which is someone's a famous actor or a football player or you know whatever it is certain fields which give you fame and they have a short shelf life right you you can't be a pro football player or a pro basketball player forever maybe you can be an actor for a very long time but it's a little more fleeting and you have, it's not totally up to you because you're working with an industry, right? You might be the hot thing in the music industry and then they stop caring about you, right? You might be that amazing ball player and then you get an injury. So you're only partly in control. Whereas I think with what you do and what I do, as long as you, I mean, as long as, long, as, long as you don't have some sort of like breakdown or <laughs> your complete meltdown or something like that, right? Yeah. You, you've always got that connection with your audience. You can see what they want. You can serve them. You can pivot. You can stake in communication. And you don't have all the trappings of that sort of type one fame or type one celebrity where like, you, you know, you, you've got, there's millions of people who have seen your content. There's millions of people who have seen my content, but we can... You can still go outside. You can still be normal. You can still live a normal life. And I don't know that you, you don't have all the crazy pressures and so many people involved in the mix that can cause your downfall and all those type of problems. So I don't think you have to worry about the, uh, 
the obsolescence. I think you can do what you're doing for as long as you want to, right? If you're like, you know what? I want to be doing this in my 50s, my 60s, my 70s. Cool. You can keep doing it. Maybe the platforms will change. Maybe there will be some new platform that pops up uh, and there will be a big one, one that's big now, which becomes a little more obsolete or whatever it is. But hey, you know, you've got all the, you know, 100,000 plus people on your mailing list. You can, I think, you you know, you can do what you want with it. I, and I think that's a beautiful position. I think actually that leads to a lot of peace. Yeah, it, it does. It leads to a lot of peace. I think knowing that in the back of my mind, um, I think I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to sort of whether or not I can get there. So like I have, a, I have what I call a five-year shelf life. So like the first startup that I helped build, I was there for five years. Second startup where I was chief revenue officer, was there for five years. I'm going in year five here. And like, I have, you know, I'm creatively itchy, you know, like I want to talk about different things. Like I would love to one day just post a waving hand emoji and like disappear and then come <laughs> back and just be someone totally different. Like I, I have so much nuance in my life that I enjoy that, you know, I love solopreneurship, but mm. like, is it the exact same thing I want to talk about every single day of my life for the, for the or every single day of the year for the rest of my life? Pro probably not. And yeah. so I get joy out of reinvention and I'm interested to see how many times can I reinvent myself over the next few decades um, without losing, you know, the trust and an audience that I've built. And so that'll be the challenge, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you'll do it easily, man. I'm just giving you some words of encouragement because I hope so. <laughs> you know, yeah, because some, something I've really learned even, even from my own career is the, the best is when you just have people who like and trust you as, as an individual, right? People know Justin Welsh and they trust and like Justin Welsh. Cause when you have that, it means you can, you can, you can pivot to anything. You can decide, okay, cool. I'm starting, um, I'm going to, I'm writing a book. I'm starting a podcast. I'm going to do some public speaking. I'm going to do some in-person events. I'm going to do this, right? And you've, you've, you've got those people because they're not just a fan of the content, but they're like a fan of you, yourself. Again, to use the, mu the music analogy, you can have someone who puts out a song and the song goes huge. The song goes to number one, but people are just a fan of the song. Yeah. They're not really, a, they're not truly a fan of the artist. They're a fan of the song. And that's why you get so many artists. They, you know, they have one huge song and then they're not able to repeat that and they fade away very quickly, sometimes in under, in under a year. But then you have these artists who have been touring for decades and decades and decades. There, there's artists who have been, you know, 40 plus year long careers. Like I don't even, I can't even name one of their songs. I've heard of the band, heard of the artist, but but they have such a hardcore fan base, right? They don't need to be dropping a hot single every six months for people to keep caring. They've just got these like hardcore, dedicated, lifelong people. I think on a big scale, someone who's done this so well is a guy like Joe Rogan. Because people, people like Joe himself, they don't just like the podcast. They don't just like the comedy. It's like he could do, he, he could just kind of do what he wants to. And as long as he's being authentic and being true, then people are going to, People are going to follow him. People are going to keep, you know, whatever it is he puts out there. People are like, you know what? I like this guy. So I'm going to just support whatever he is. And I think you're, I think you're building that. I think you're building yeah. that. So I, I, yeah, I don't think, um, yeah, I just think whatever you, whatever it is you choose to do, <laughs> you'll, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have that success with it, especially because, you know, you, you care about people, obviously, and you care about 
helping people and making people's lives better. And not everyone has that focus. And I, I think when people have that, it stands out. I think so. First of all, th thank you very much. I, I appreciate that, and I love the I love the encouragement. It's super helpful. I think um, I think one of my I do a lot of things really terribly, but I think one thing I do relatively well is like I want everyone to win, and I think that I don't know. I, I I'm certainly not the only person like that. I would be silly to say that I was, but um, so many people are angry and mad at other people for doing things that are completely unrelated to them, you know, succeeding, um, you know, getting more attention, wh whatever it might be. And like, I'm genuinely happy for people. I have students who like bought my program and are more popular than me now. <laughs> I'm just like, right? that's, 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 awesome. the in, that's the intention, right? Like, like it would be weird for me to be upset by that. And so like, <laughs> I think, I think just putting, like I, I wrote on Twitter the other day, I, I forget what it was basically like, I think successful people play a different game when it comes to support. I just think like whomever I see online, unless they're mean or nasty, I just want them to win. And like when I see someone doing cool stuff, I'm I try and as often as possible say like, keep going, you're doing amazing. Or like, that's really great. I just bought it or like whatever it might be. And I feel like that's an easy cheat code that a lot of people don't don't take advantage of because they're so angry. Yeah. It, it It is. And that, that's, that's why, you know, it's been a, I'd say even in my my career so far, it's been such a key to everything, because it's not just it's not just for other people, but also just for your own psyche, right? Like being angry all the time, being being a hater, trying to pull other people down. Like there's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you've seen these accounts too on various social media platforms. There's people who just log in every day, and they're just angry, and they're just attacking people, and they're just insulting people who are not insulting them, and they're just, yeah. and I'm just like, dude, like. That is not a number one. You're you're not going to achieve success like that. You're just burning bridges completely unnecessarily. But also, you're just you're just going to be miserable. Like there's no if you can't take joy in other people's success. If you can't see someone do something cool and smile at it and be inspired by it. Like I don't even need to think about that. It's like it's a default. Like I just see someone winning and I'm like awesome. I don't think oh they're taking away from me winning. In fact, it's exactly. the opposite. It's actually the opposite. It's not even neutral. It's like the more success other people have, the more, the more success you can have, right? People are showing you what's possible. And I mean, if you really want to be unsuccessful, then throw yourself in an environment where you're surrounded by people who are all unsuccessful, right? Like there's no, you, it's very hard to succeed in that environment. Whereas if you're surrounded by people who are winning, who are inspiring you, it doesn't matter what it is. It could, it could be weight loss. Right. If you're surrounded by other people who are also trying to lose weight, they're also trying to get in shape. They're also, you know, tracking their calories, being careful with their meals. They're hitting their training sessions. If you are thrown into that environment, you'll probably lose weight, too. Whereas if you're surrounded by people who are like attacking you, criticizing you for going to the gym and, you know, they're they're just doing the opposite and they're just growing and growing and growing in the wrong way, then you're much more likely to fall into that. So I do wish I don't know. It, it seems humanity has always had people who have scarcity mentality mm -hmm. and people who have an abundance mentality. And this can even manifest in things as crazy as, as politics, right? Where you've got people who think, you know, you've got, you've got on one end, you've got literal communists who hate other people's success to the degree that, you know, they want to take, you know, take, take other people's success, take other people's money, take other people's everything that they've got. And, you know, our podcast today is sponsored by The Wellness Company. 
Did you know that nearly 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. are produced overseas? That's an alarming statistic. If you don't have an emergency kit on hand, it's time to get prepared. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications that every single American should keep in stock. It comes with a 22-page instruction guide on safe medical use for everything from snake bites to COVID to bioterror events. Another stellar product from the Wellness Company is Spike Support. Whether you got vaxxed or not, the virus is still among us in some capacity, as well as the related spike protein. Spike protein can cause brain fog, tissue damage, blood clots, and more. Spike Support is a detoxification powerhouse that aims to strengthen the body's natural immunity and flush out spike protein, so you can get back to that pre-COVID feeling. Get both of these products by going to twc.health forward slash Zuby and get 15% off with the discount code Zuby. That's twc.health forward slash Zuby and use discount code Zuby to get 15% off. Disclosure, the medical emergency kit is only available to U.S. residents. Spread it out because they see everything as zero sum, right? Because you've got that, that means that you're the reason why that other person doesn't have it, which is complete. It's complete nonsense. And there's you also, just have to flip. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, there's also, sorry, sorry for interrupting, but I, I, I also think there's like this binary 100 to zero mentality, which is like, I either, I want to agree with everything that you say, 100% of things that you write or do. And as soon as you, I don't agree with one thing, you're like, then I don't like you or I don't agree with you now in general. So like so I've written 50. So 51, I, yeah, I've, I've written 5,100 pieces of content and like people will write and be like, I, I, I normally love what you write, but I'm unfollowing you because of this one. And it's just like a tactic about how to like do email appropriately. Right. And I was like, oh, so I, I batted 99.999%. Now I'm, now I'm out of here. Like, you know, I, I read, I have friends, I, I read your stuff online. I read all my stuff online. Like I never agree with everybody. Like I never am like, oh, this guy's got a hundred percent hit rate. There are things I agree with and things I disagree with. What I have found is that you should judge someone on on their, their their character and how they talk about things and their kindness. Not like did every single piece of content or email land. Like you're gonna be you're you're in for a world of yeah. disappointment if, if that's <laughs> if that's the life that you're building. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's a high it's a high standard and it's a high standard that people don't reach themselves. So there's a sort of amusing hypocrisy of people yeah. being like so insanely judgmental and critical of everyone else's stuff and everyone else's life and they don't sort of turn inward and go okay wait hang on am i <laughs> how, how am i doing how am i doing here yeah, so yeah. i don't know justin i want to get into some things that are um that are practical so for people who are listening to this who i've got a very diverse audience i know i've got um in particular a lot a lot of young men and women who listen to this podcast who i'm sure many people some people are entrepreneurs some people have you know normal jobs some people are want to be entrepreneurs, all sorts of things. So earlier on, you touched on avoiding mistakes that you've made in the past. So given your experience over the past few years, what are some of the mistakes that you think you've made that you would now be able to avoid? If you were to talk to your talk to the 2018 or 2019 version of yeah. yourself, what are some pitfalls you'd avoid? I think it's pitfalls that I wish I would have avoided, but also I can confidently say that it's, these are some of the number one pitfalls that people are still not avoiding. Um, so, so one is a lot of people skip the unsexy stuff. So they want to get in immediately. So when building a business, I'll, I'll kind of give you an example. They, they come to me and say, um, how do I grow on Twitter? Or how do I build an audience on LinkedIn? Or what's the best landing page builder? Or should I use Stripe or PayPal? They, people love these tools. And then I'll go back to them and say, tell me about your business idea. 
Like, who are you? Who specifically do you serve? What specific problem do you help them overcome? And as they look into the future, what outcome should they be able to envision by working with you? Tell, tell me about that. No, 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 no. Just how do I grow like on Twitter? I love talking about it. Just like, you have to differentiate yourself. Why should someone come along on your journey? Why in the in the halls of social media where there are millions of WWE style people all screaming for attention through megaphones, why would someone pay attention to you? What is it that you do differently? What is it about your journey? And so like I go through a very, very sort of deep process around coming up with unique value propositions, unique selling propositions. So when when someone needs the thing that you do very specifically, you are the obvious and best choice. And I always talk about this, this thing that happened to me that highlights that, that problem, which is I wanted to start doing some SEO for my business this past year because I don't want to be as reliant on social media and I wanted to start building my organic search on Google. And so like I talked to a bunch of people and here's what most people sounded like when they talked to me. I do SEO for companies. I do SEO for companies. I do SEO for companies. And then this one guy came along and was like, for the last 10 years, I've taken creator websites just like yours. I've bought them for five figures. I've installed a very specific type of SEO that lets creators get found for their bread and butter, turned around, sold all of those sites for six figures. And now I've put it into a repeatable process where people who sell digital courses online can grow through a blog that people actually want to read and converts more revenue. Now compare that to I do SEO for companies, right? And it's like, this guy was so specific. He was so in tune with my business that he became the immediate only person that I could hire. So one pitfall I always try and get people to look for is like, start by thinking deeply about the specifics around your business. You can't just be another SEO person. You can't just be another executive coach. You can't just be another podcast host. You have to have some sort of unique differentiator. I think that's number one the thing that people mess up most like because it's not fun to be to be quite frank i think the second thing that i i think people mess up on is they don't really understand the modern customer journey in business they just think like throw stuff against the wall and then hope people somehow end up on their website and then hope people somehow buy the things that are available on their website without understanding that most people don't even know they have a problem so if you don't know you have a problem you, you're not looking for solutions. You're not looking for my products. You're not looking for my friend Jim's products. So it's like, make people aware that they're a pro they have a problem. Shine a light on that problem. When you do that, some of those people will become problem aware. They will mm -hmm. look and say, my life could be better, or maybe there's a different way to do things, or I didn't know I had this problem. Now I do, right? Once someone realizes they have a problem, only then can they be looking for a solution. And you shouldn't jam your products or jam your services down their throat. This is where you become a guide. You become a guide when someone is solution aware. You make them aware of all the different solutions in the marketplace because you want to show trust, expertise, and authority during the diligence in which they're trying to find a solution, right? Once people are aware that there are multiple solutions in the marketplace and you've been a guide on that journey, then can you start saying, well, here's my solution. Here's how I think it's different. Here's based on what I've heard from you why I think it might be a really great fit from you, for you. And then once people lean in and say, I think Justin's the guy, or I think Zuby's the guy, or I think Jim's the guy I want to work with, then it's your chance to make your best and final. And I think that people don't think about that as a journey that customers go on. Instead, they just promote, 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 or never promote, never promote, never promote. And there's a middle ground. And so I try 
when I'm coaching or when I'm, you know, someone's going through my product to show people how to move from not even knowing they have a problem to being so aware of it, so aware of your solution and wanting it so badly that they have to buy it. That's a journey. And so mm. I think those are, those are two really big things that people just either don't understand or overlook because they're difficult. Yeah, those are huge. That those are that's fantastic advice for anyone listening right there. Another thing that I've found with um a lot of people is, and maybe this is just down to personality type, because I experienced this all through my career. One of the biggest criticisms that I've had over the past 17 years and continue to get is that I self-promote too much. Hmm. You know, oh, Zuby, you know, oh, he's you know, Zuby's always because I think people again, people are so used to the non-solopreneur model, they're used to musicians not promoting themselves. They're used to, you know, especially in the creative world. In the creative world, people are terrified to come across as salesy or to promote their project, to promote their new movie, promote their documentary, promote their, right, creative types especially. Because, you know, you, you've, you tend to have creative types and you've got business types and you've got people who are and can do both. But they don't mix so much. And that's okay. Cause if you've got a whole industry or a company, you can just be the person. Okay. You just play the guitar and make the music. And then you've got like a hundred other people who take care of everything else, which can also leads to, which, which also kills a lot of artists careers because sure. they, they're so, they're so stupid with the business part that they'll sign some, you know, 20 year contract that locks them into something that they don't even understand. And there's a lot of horror stories there. So for someone who is afraid of selling, shall we say, how do you think people can get over that hurdle? Yeah, I think I think selling should not feel like selling. I think it should feel like being in the right place at the right time. So for example, if you're doing at least online sales really well, people should be saying, how do I get started? Like, cool, I've decided I want to fix this problem. Like, how do I start with you? Right. That should, that should be how it feels. So I'll give you an example of how I never, prom I never promote, um, on social media. So you'll never be like, buy, never see, buy my course or 35% discount. Like maybe once during black Friday, I might do that, but like, that's the only time. So what I do is I try and be helpful. So the first thing I do is I talk about solopreneurship and the benefits of it all the time. My goal there is to shine a light on a problem. So if someone says, oh my gosh, I have a nine to five, or I wish I could spend more time with my wife and kids, or I don't get to vacation when I want a vacation, I am shining a light on a problem that they're starting to think about. As soon as I do that, I want to start to make them aware of the solution. So what I do is I write long form blogs and newsletters that help educate people on how they can get started. How do you chip away at this? What's the first three things you should do? If you have no idea how to even get started as a solopreneur on the internet, it doesn't look like selling, but it is. I'm sharing articles four times a day on Twitter. I share an article twice a day on LinkedIn. So every day, six times a day, I'm helping people. I'm trying to say, here's the best advice I have. As they're going through those articles or going through those newsletter issues, I want them to say, damn, this is like really helpful. Uh, out of all the people that I'm trying to learn from, Justin makes it simple. He makes it practical. And so I will solve a narrow problem of theirs. So like they want to be a business. They want to build an online business, but there are a million other narrow problems before this. How do you build a UVP? How do you choose an idea? How do you start writing social media content? How do you create a stacked offer? These are all different little problems. So I'll try and solve these narrow problems. When I've solved a narrow problem, what then opens up is a wider, larger problem. 
okay, I've got a unique value proposition. I'm ready to rock. I wish I knew how to do more. Well, guess what? I solved that problem for you. And if you want to learn how I can solve 25 other problems for you that most business professionals have, buy my course, right? It's really easy to get started. There are 18,000 students inside. Here's a 15% off coupon if you'd like to get started today. So I solve these really narrow problems, which open up wider, larger problems. And when it's ready at the end of that newsletter article, at the end of that um, you know, blog post that I wrote, I simply present the most relevant offer to that person. I don't say buy it. I'm just like, if you want to keep going, here's an option that you have. And so it never feels like promotion. But if I get 3,000 people to landing pages every day and 4%, you know, convert, it's yeah. pretty big, you know? That's so that's deal. how I think about non-salesy selling, right? It's it's not yeah. selling, it's, help, it's serving. Yeah, that, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've, <laughs> especially from selling my CDs on the street, right? Like I'm more, I'm, I've been more direct in my career and asking, <laughs> sure. asking for sales, right? But I, I think it's important for people to understand, firstly, that there's nothing as long as you what you are selling is good and is beneficial to people's lives then i flip it to the point of i think if your product is so genuinely good or your service is so genuinely good that it makes people's lives better whether it's an information product whether it's a form of entertainment whether it's uh, an amazing meal whatever it is then i i flip, i invert it from the way most people think right because people have this idea that selling is unethical i think selling is unethical if you're selling something that harms people or you're selling mm -hmm. something that's a scam, right? That's unethical. If you're selling something that makes people's lives better, I think you have an ethical duty to sell it. You have an obligation. If you, if, yeah. If, if you've got the ans answers for people's problems and you don't sell it, I'm like, hey, that's selfish. Like get out there and do promote it, do sell it, do lead people to the solution because it helps people. Like if you're the person with the knowledge of like, hey, actually, there's billions of people in the world who are who are not in good shape. And you know what? I really know a lot about nutrition. And I have this information and it's tried and it's tested and it's true. And I've got this book, I've got this course, I've got this consulting, whatever it is that genuinely helps people. I know for a fact I can help people lose weight. I can help people get in better shape or whatever. And then you're hiding away and not sharing that with people. I actually think that that is the unethical move, right? I think that if you're an incredible musician, there are there are musicians out there who don't let other people hear their music, right? They've been they've been a musician for a decade and they're good. They're just making all these songs, whatever, and they just keep them all these files on their laptop. And I'm like, what are you doing? Share your music with people. Like, why are you be you're, you're being selfish? <laughs> I'm like, why well, you're being selfish? Even if you're not going to sell it, like at least like let other people hear, let other people be entertained and inspired by the things that you're creating. For me, this was like a big a big switch that actually led to my my very significant social media growth because i've been on social media for oh gosh man 15 plus years um twitter specifically i you know i joined in 2009 i think um around the same time you did if I, from looking at your account and um you know for the first for my first nine ten years on twitter i viewed it simply as a vehicle like a supplementary vehicle to promote my music right so i never i never really talked about anything interesting i was just like you know promoting my music and occasionally promoting a music video whatever and then i had a an inversion point sort of late 2018 2019 where i was like you know what i love music and i'm you know this is something I, i've got a talent for but there's other things i can do 
I'm a good speaker. I have a lot of fitness knowledge. Um, I can, you know, I'm a, I'm a good communicator. So I just started sharing more of that, right? It wasn't like something that was new. It was kind of these things I was holding back on previously. And I just started sharing it more with the world. I was like, you know, there's, let me, some of those thoughts that are already floating around in my brain and things I'm talking about with my friends and family. You know what? Let me just put that one out in a tweet. Let me put that one out. Let me put that thought out. And lo and behold, I mean, beginning of 2019, I had 18,000 followers on Twitter. And then when I started doing that and I just started sharing my ideas, I was like, oh, wow, like there is an appetite. There, there's an appetite even just for just for these ideas, just for these just for these thoughts, things that I, I was all, I was kind of taking for granted and was thus withholding. And then you just share it with other people. You just you share the journey, you share the thoughts. And it's incredible how many people it in, it inspires. I mean, when I'm traveling and I just I'm meeting random people of all ages, and, oh man, like I've learned this from you, or like you you changed my mind on this, or like I found this so inspiring, or you helped me get through this or that. And I'm like, just from my tweets, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. just from my tweets yeah. or, or from like a, a random podcast where you know I'm just I'm just talking to someone and you say something or I say something and it just it just resonates with someone in a way that that nothing else before did and that is f from that point onward like kind of like uh you said that you talked to that ceo of the company you used to work for and he just says something and that one that one sentence makes him go makes you go wait oh okay i can do this thing yep i like it just makes something click it's funny how the human brain works sometimes someone just needs to hear like the right words in the correct order, maybe from the right person. And it just makes them go, oh, okay, I can do it. And from that moment onward, their life is just on a different tra trajectory. And that's one thing I do love about social media, because you can just put out something that, you know, maybe you put out a tweet and you yourself, you, you don't even think about it that much. You're just like, oh yeah, that was just a, that was just a thought. And there's someone out there in the ether who takes that and <laughs> they, they go off and they create their whole thing. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. So first of all, it's super interesting. I was just I just looked something up uh, because I thought it was funny. Whereas like, social media is so odd because I think of all the things that I've written that have had value. Like, a lot of times where I'm like, oh, this has real value. Like, no one reads it. <laughs> and a lot of time when I was like, this is a flippant comment. Like, it explodes. My most popular tweet of like the last two years just says, "Make a habit of reaching out to people when you don't need something." That's the whole tweet. People are like, I love this. I was just like. Oh, that was just like, I just typed that on like my computer right before I like, got, got on the treadmill and didn't think twice about it. Like it was just yeah. very strange. And, and, you know, people, people ask me a lot about Twitter and, and LinkedIn and social media, because like you, I joined in 2009, but I didn't start tweeting until almost two years ago to the day. And so I found social media not to be easy. It's not, it's not easy in the beginning, but I find it to be relatively simple. There is the message and there is the vehicle. And like, if you don't know where to start, the message that you can start with is pretty simple. You can choose to either teach someone something that they don't know how to do, or you can share an opinion about something that you think, right? Everything else when you're starting is like, you know, those are two easy ways to get started. And then the vehicle is just how do you deliver the information? And that just requires an hour's worth of reading about copywriting and then trying stuff. Just like try a bunch of things. Take one message and push it through 10 different vehicles and see which one works the best for you. Whatever one does, do more of that. Whatever one doesn't, stop doing that. And like that is to me, like social media at its core is like 
message vehicle, produce, analyze, iterate, repeat. <laughs> That's social media at its core, in, in my opinion. So I don't know. I just went off on a, on a, on a uh, yeah. tangent there, but like people ask me about social media so often, and I just think it's simpler than people make it. It, it, re it really is. And there's a word you said there, you said produce, you have to put yourself in the producer mentality. Because look, we, we are all consumers, right? We're all consumers of various things. But if you want to stand out, especially if you want to grow a following or you want to grow a business, you have to be a producer. You can't just sit there and consume, consume, consume and not add. I don't like the term add value because it sounds like a corporate term. <laughs> sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. but you, you have to add value to people's, to people's feeds, to people's timelines, to people's life. And that's how you get followers. Everyone I follow... I follow because in some way, shape or form, they add some value to my life. It could be teaching me things. It could be inspiring me. It could be entertaining me, making me laugh, what, whatever it is. And that's all it is. And one of, the, one of the best things for people to realize, especially entrepreneurs or creative people, is you have a massive advantage because most people do not do this. It's a very small percentage of accounts on any social media platform. It doesn't matter if it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, X, whatever it might be. I would, I would say no more than 2% of accounts on any of these platforms is someone who is producing and intentionally trying to drive conversations and get ideas out there and show their work and teach people. So someone might look at it and go, oh my gosh, you know. It, this thing's been around for 15 plus years, right? You, you get, you always see this. Is it too late to start a YouTube channel? Is it too late totally. to grow? I'm like, dude, like we're just getting started. M most people are not even aware of the power that they have in their smartphone. They're not aware of, they know the platforms, but they don't know what they can do with those platforms. And when you, I talk to someone like yourself and I see what you're doing, how many people are on LinkedIn? How many people are on Twitter? But how many people are doing what you're doing? on these platforms? How many people are using it to help people and grow a big following and solve problems and sell their products and provide for their family? It's like, you know, you get people who, oh, Twitter's a waste of time. And I'm like, are you crazy? crazy. Do you not know, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you not know, do you not know what you can do with this platform? Right? You know, it's just like, man, sometimes I get frustrated. Um, I'm just like, guys, like uh, the, uh, the amount of cool things and amazing people I've met, even just from Twitter, even even if it's just that single that single platform across the world, it's it's crazy. You you can reach anybody. Like we're living in a brave new world where, I mean, just look at this conversation we're having right now. I'm in Dubai. You're in New York. <laughs> we're speaking in HD in real time, and then we can go and share this out with thousands yeah. more people who can learn from it. It's all free, right? Like we're not. There's no charge here, and. I'm just like, guys, take advantage of these tools. You're already spending five hours a day on your smartphone. So it, why not use it? And you also have an advantage, even if you haven't produced, if you're just a consumer, I like to tell people to switch from being a consumer to being a cognizant consumer. So like, mm. if you're always trying to think about how do I write something that's interesting? How do I get people to stop and read? You're already stopping and reading stuff. So all you have to do is become cognizant of why you're doing those things. So as you scroll on your phone or you scroll on your laptop or you're on some social media, all you have to do is every time you stop to read something, you just have to ask yourself, why? Why did I just stop and read that? Out of all the shit I just scrolled by over the last thousand you know, tweets, like why that one? And then 
try and think of a reason why it happened. And if you can think of a reason why it happened and you're cognizant about consuming, then you can reverse engineer that emotion. And if you can do that well, then you can become both a producer and a cognizant consumer, which I think is a big piece of actually producing. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, if you were, I, I had um, one of my subscribers on X actually wanted me to ask you, if you were just starting from zero, let's say you were starting from zero followers and I don't know, a couple hundred bucks in your bank account and you wanted to become a solopreneur, you wanted to get to the stage where you can provide for yourself and ultimately your family and then go on to greater success, what would you, what would you do? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think there's a series of steps, right? I think people always want to know, like, what's the step-by-step -step? that doesn't really exist in business or else someone would have created it and we'd all be doing it. Uh, but here is logically how I might, might think about it. The first thing is simply identifying a skill that you have, right? What's something you've learned in your experience? What's something you're obsessed with? What's a problem you fix for yourself? What's something that people come to you for advice for? Just pick that thing, right? And you don't have to get super tight on it yet. You don't have to have that unique value proposition yet. Just identify that, right? Next, once you've identified that and you feel good, and by the way, you can always pivot later. This isn't writing in, in stone. Tidy up your social media profiles. Like go to Twitter, go to LinkedIn, go to YouTube, Instagram, whatever you use, and simply tell people what it is that you do. What is the skill that you have? And why should they pay attention to you? What's the journey that you're going on? Just tidy those up. Nice profile picture, nice banner image nice pin tweet, whatever, just, just get those things tidy. I also advocate that people, they don't need to just build a simple one page website, your picture about you, your services, whatever it is that you do, just somewhere that people can go to learn more and then spend 90 days creating content. doesn't have to be 89 or 91. doesn't have to be exactly 90. Just like spend time creating content. That simply does what we talked about earlier. The message some observations and opinions about the industry or thing that you do, um, some tactical step-by-steps that, that you've done in the past to be helpful to yourself or to other people, create those. Then get out and start networking with the people who actually spend time interacting with you. Build those relationships like you and I are building this one. Like I've built with, I think, Dan Go, who I believe you know as well, or Sahil Bloom or folks like that. Start building those relationships. They don't have to be big. They don't have to be huge creators. Just build with people who support you, who think like you, who will become a part of your tribe over the next decade, right? Then start talking to your audience. Even if you get one comment, just write back and say like, that's a great comment. There was something unclear there. I'd just love to dig into a little bit more. Would you mind if I just jumped on the phone with you for five minutes? Or can I send you a quick DM and just ask you a, a clarifying question just to start to hear what it is that people want to know more about? Maybe you wrote something and they said, um, you know, I don't get this one part and you're like, Hey, cool. I'm going to shoot you a quick DM. Just want to get some clarity on your question. These are all data points that you can use, right? Once you get those data points, start to refine that, you know, a unique value proposition. What are the challenges that people have? What's the future state that they want to be in? What are some of their biggest objections? All of those can be used to refine how you talk about that skill you started off with. Once you have that, go back to your website. Try and find one of those narrow problems that people have, right? So take the big challenge you have and then go, go to the forefront, find three or four narrow problems, build a simple lead magnet, an ebook, a, a video series, an email course that just solves one of those narrow problems, right? Get people to subscribe to it through Twitter or LinkedIn or an email list or cold outreach or whatever you want to do to get those first 50 subscribers and survey those people at the end. 
How did it, how did the lead magnet work? Were they able to solve the problems? Was there anything in it that they wish, you know, there was anything that was missing that the, they wish you would have written about? It was just completely off the mark. Um, what additional questions do they have? Where are they on their journey? Just start surveying, surveying, surveying. Those people inside of those first downloaders are going to be your first customer. And if you've surveyed them effectively, you can take all the things you've learned from the data and from the free form text that they fill out. And you can start thinking about what does my service look like? Take the language they use, take some of the data that you gathered and build a service that these people have told you they want. Reach out to them and say, based on everything you told me, here are the challenges I learned about you. Here's the solution you're looking for. I build it. Would you like to buy it? That's it. It's identify a skill, tidy up your profile, build a simple website, 90 days of content, network online, talk to your audience, refine your UVP, build a lead magnet, get feedback, offer a service. If you can do those Boom. 10 things, you're going to make you're going to make some money and you're going to you're going to be on the beginning of your journey. There we go guys, you just got the Justin Welsh MBA absolutely for free in under 5 minutes. That's awesome advice, man. The only thing I would add to it is I would just remind people and encourage people. Number one, enjoy the process. Right? Enjoy the process. Be, be a happy warrior. Even if you're broke, even if you're struggling, even if you're starting from zero, be, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. And along with that, be kind to people. Like be, be kind, be respectful, be professional. Like I, I shouldn't need to say that I feel, but I've seen so, <laughs> I've seen so many examples of the opposite. Mm -hmm. that I need to reiterate that you'll, you'll be amazed how far just being kind and polite when you're engaging with people is whether they're you know, big, big people, small people, wh whatever it is, we're all just human beings. Um, that, that as well, I, I find that that can just go so far. It's, it's amazing. I've had people who, again, especially as I, as I travel around, I've had people who just want to like meet up with me for, by the way, guys, this is not an invitation. I can't go out for coffee and lunch with everybody. But um, <laughs> I've had people just, you know, just randomly reach out. They see that, that I'm in their city and they're just like, hey, man, like, you know, I love your stuff. I've been following you for a few years. I, I see you're here. You know, can we go for lunch or can we, you know, do you want to, I've got, hey, I've got a gym pass. Do you want to, do you want to come train? I've, I've just trained with random followers. I've got people, man, I can't believe you said yes. Like I can't believe, because <laughs> they see the follower count or whatever. And they're just like, there is no way on earth. This person is even going to like see my message or reply. And I'm like, Guys, you might be surprised. You might be surprised like who you might DM and who will respond. You might be surprised at the type of guest you can get on your podcast. You might be like, people like to share their knowledge. People like to help each other out. It's not always going to be a yes. But even when it's a no, it's, it's oftentimes not a no. It's often a, you know what? I'm busy right now. Hit me back in three to four months and we'll make it happen. Um, totally. So yeah, get out there guys and, uh, and make it happen. Justin, man, uh, we could talk for a very long time. I want to be respectful of your time. Where can people find and follow you online? Yeah, they can find me at my website, which is Justin Welsh. That's W-E-L-S-H dot me dot M-E. Or they can follow me on X at the Justin Welsh. Or you can just find me on LinkedIn. Just my name, Justin Welsh. That's it. Awesome, man. Dude, I, I genuinely love what you're doing. You're one of my favorite accounts on all of social media. Thank you. Um, yeah, I definitely don't say that to everyone, but you're just every day. It's just value, 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 inspiration, helping people, solving problems, giving good ideas, not getting caught up in like, you know, craziness and spreading anger and all that stuff. It's, it's genuinely refreshing. Like it's, <laughs> it stands out. It's refreshing. And um, yeah, man, just keep it going, man. All the encouragement. 
I appreciate it. And I also appreciate you. Uh, you have me on your show, man. I've been wanting to connect for a long time. So I'm glad we made it happen. Awesome, dude. No doubt, man. We'll talk again. All right. See ya. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.